Rorik Honda takes pride in community involvement. From looking forward to walk-in vehicle questions to customizing end-of-the-month deals, they always have the same customer in mind. Be sure to catch their community event perfectly titled The Pick Up and Go Comedy Show that places local comedians in the back of a Honda Ridgeline and in a parking lot. Check Rorick Automotive social media for details on when you can socially distance and have a truckload of fun. As always, visit Rorick.com for all of your vehicle needs. And now we start this podcast, which is kind of pieced together, but what isn't pieced together that's 100 years old? According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word jagoff is defined as a noun, which means a stupid, irritating, or... Here's how Pittsburghers define a word jagoff, when someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jagoff! Or someone scares the out of you. Yeah, jag off. Or it's a term of endearment. How you been, jag off? This is Mark Madden. Hi, this is Larry Richard. This is Kevin Wild Bill. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer. Hey, it's Rick Sevak. Hi, this is Greg Brown. Hi, I'm Tyler Kennedy. This is Antonio Holmes. And this is the Jag Off Podcast. So this is the Jag Off Podcast, and this is a special 100th episode in that we are celebrating things that are 100, most importantly, your Aunt Marie. How awesome is that, 100? I mean, most people can't speak to those kinds of things. I mean, she has memories and just strolls down memory lane with people that we get to find out. I mean, we get to witness it hands-on. We were a little disappointed, little side note, because her great grandchildren and her grandchildren always wanted to go to New York. And unfortunately, because of COVID, mm. you know, she's not able to do that. So instead... We basically brought the Today Show to her. Right. And so before we get to that, this is where if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time, we remind you that it comes out on Monday on Radio.com app. So if you want to be the first one to get it or one of the earlier ones to get it, get it on the radio, subscribe to Radio.com or it comes Easy out enough. on Tuesday on YouJagoff.com. Either way, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on iTunes, we'd appreciate appreciate it if you'd say something nice. Just something nice, for sure. Yeah, right. As far as the blogs, it was a little crazy of a week because it was bookended with Labor Day and uh, and September 11th. So obviously I paid homage to those. But in addition, I found a really interesting blog post that was our garbage men. Or, I love this. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to say that. Our, um, I don't know, how to waste pickup people because garbage men just sounds so, right. you know. They are so adorable. My neighbor caught them on video. They finished what they needed to do and they shot basketball and put it back perfectly. But I said like, it was a slam dunk to your day. Like they, they, this is something that they must do all the time. And I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and, just a reason to highlight them. Right. And they, who doesn't need more positive things? So that was a, they aren't Jagoffs. They're not Jagoffs. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. And then uh, in the news, there was this story about a ball going into an older person's yard. And then the older person's kid, who was 60, uh, ends up going to jail. Yeah. You know, know, right there, you just know somebody's a jagoff. Every every kid has a made-up or or a real story about a ball going into somebody's yard and the old person taking it. This went a little too far, and so they made it to the jagoff. I mean, really, yeah. Yeah, so we obviously mine was better because it was a no a feel good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what was on the po- what is coming up on the podcast? I mean, I'm excited for this. You're right; it's pieced together. But we get to talk to Aunt Marie. We get to witness her hundredth birthday happening, and uh, we also talk to the one and only 
Andy Masick, CEO and president of the Heinz History Center, where he's going to let us know what it was like in the 1920s. And then Amy Mock is here from Intercom. She's our connection at uh, Intercom and was uh, has been at KDK Radio AM for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but not a hundred, <laughs> right? She's here to go tell us a little bit about what it was like when it first started. And then, of course, we talked to. Aunt Marie. And in that one, well, I sit back because uh, Cousin Lisa, Cousin Mark, and you guys get Marky, to reflect. get it right. And obviously, we do not have a podcast without music, but we had to make a little bit of a, a modification because it is Aunt Marie's 100th, and she's known for her jokes. So we're going to be joking around with Aunt Marie. But first, here's Andy to set up the story about what it was like 100 years ago. In a nursing home. <laughs> And his son would come to visit him all the time. So on this Sunday day, Sunday afternoon, his son went to visit him, and the nurse rolled him down in a wheelchair. And he says, hi, Dad, how you doing? You don't look too happy today. All the dad was leaning to the right, so the nurse straightened him out. He says, is the food good here, Dad? Are you all right? And it was just leaning to the left, and the nurse straightened him out. He says, something's wrong, Dad, as the dad was leaning forward. The nurse is treating you fine, and the nurse pulled him back. And he says, no, he says, this damn nurse it keeps pushing me back, and she won't let me fart in peace. <laughs> All right. So our first guest today is, look, we're talking about being 100. And Maria is going to be our special guest, as we know from the from the beginning of the show here. But we wanted to set this up perfectly. And the perfect person to set it up perfectly is Andy Masick from the History Center, the Heinz History Center, where you can go see so many different things about Pittsburgh. But we want to set this up as what what was happening 100 years ago. Andy's mm-hmm. not 100. Yeah. But his brain knows. Like, he can help us. It's- you give like them a topic. Yeah, right. that's right. exactly right. And plus, we have to make mention that Aunt Marie was on the website when we did the exhibition on the Prohibition. Yeah. And uh, she was there teaching us the Charleston at the time. So it was just fit and proper. You right? forgot one detail. She was 98 when yeah, she was teaching she was. us the Charleston. Yes. So, so Annie Masick, welcome back to the Jagoff Podcast. It's good to be with you. And talking about history, uh, which is what we love to do here at the Heinz History Center. Let's start with how has the Heinz History Center been able to reinvent? Because we have, we've talked to Brady and we have seen and listened to and been a part of some of these online things that you've been doing. What else is up for the Heinz History Center post pandemic or during kind of getting through the weeds of the pandemic? What else can we expect from you guys so we can get our history fixed? Well, you know, we have lots of tools in the public history kit. Uh, When people think of museums, they often think of uh, exhibitions. Well, yeah, we do that, and we have a great exhibition right now from the Smithsonian Institution. We found, our curators found 100 portraits of Pittsburghers in the Smithsonian collections. And we asked the Smithsonian, could we borrow those? And some of them were in storage, and some of them were on the walls in galleries. And our Smithsonian counterparts said, Sure. And, and so we brought all 100 
portraits to Pittsburgh, and we recreated the Smithsonian's galleries in our our main gallery, the McGuinn Gallery on the first floor, 10,000 square feet, and we made it look like the Smithsonian. So that's up right now. That's great. And people are coming and safely social distancing and wearing masks and walking through the Smithsonian's galleries here in Pittsburgh. That's so, great. So that's one thing that we're doing. I love the fact that you organized that around Aunt Marie's birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred. That was perfect. Pictures. Well, yes. we had it on our calendars. <laughs> and we, what could we do that's special? <laughs> that was good, Andy. But but we have other tools in the kit. And, you know, we do podcasts and blogs and articles in our magazine, Western Pennsylvania History. Uh, and we do outreach programming and um, we are doing fewer lectures and in-person events. Uh, sure. Events uh, have been curtailed because of uh, the pandemic, but we are still doing weddings and small events, micro events, we call them. So if people uh, have a gathering of 25 to 50 people, because we've got 350,000 square feet of museum here, we can spread people out and we can continue to do small-scale events sure. here at the History Center. That's mm-hmm. great. But but podcasts are a big deal now. Sure. Yeah. And so we're reaching out to people in different ways. I have a TikTok account now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You can see me opening champagne bottles with sabers. I'm shooting my cannon on TikTok. It's outrageous. But but I think it's time for all of us to take stock and, and see how do we communicate? Yeah. How do we tell stories? Sure. Because that's what museums do. We're, sure. we're storytellers. We're just using um, a different uh, medium. Sure. I love it. And that's perfect segue into... You know, Aunt Marie is tw- is 100 years old. What did Pittsburgh, what did the country look like when it was 100? Again, we know you, you're certainly not old enough so to have been there. 1920, yeah. But back in those days, you, I'm sure you, from working here and the life you live, you know, you can give us a really good picture. What did it a look like? A day in the life, yeah. When uh, Aunt Marie was born in well, September. Well, on the day that Aunt Marie was born, <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh was a smoky city. Uh, it really was. I mean, there, the manufactories and the mills were pumping out all kinds of carbon, uh, as they, as they, uh, were just winding down the uh, arsenal of democracy that helped win World War I. Uh, remember, the, the war ends in 1919, and uh, Pittsburgh uh, saw a boom during that period. So there were over 550,000 people living in Pittsburgh uh, in, in 1920. Wow. Uh, you know, it's nearly twice uh, the size of the city that we know today but it was it was grimy it was gritty uh, and there were very close uh, living conditions Uh, there were tenements Uh, the hill district was crowded downtown was crowded the point didn't have a beautiful park there it was packed with railroad yards and warehouses all along the rivers you couldn't see the rivers from the town because there were so many smokestacks and uh, factories right along the river because in the early days they used the river as a transportation corridor sure. and uh, and they sometimes used water power and they also used it to dump their sewage and all the uh, industrial effluents and things that, that was 
when you could still put raw sewage into the rivers. So not only was it a smoky city, it might have been a little bit of a stinky city, too. Oh, for sure, yes. <laughs> but there were other great things going on at the same time. Uh, 1920 was the year that uh, the first commercial radio broadcast occurred. It was during the Harding-Cox election, and Frank Conrad, uh, a Westinghouse employee, set up a station up on the rooftop and uh, started broadcasting election returns. Now, there were only a few hundred people around with radio sets, little crystal uh, sets, listening in, but they got the idea hey, we ought to start a radio station and we could play music. We could broadcast baseball games. How about church services? All of that starts in 1920. As a matter of fact, Amy Mock from yeah. Intercom is going to come up on this podcast later to even give us more detail about Mr. Conrad and his and the, uh, what they did that particular day. Yeah, so... That's um, crazy. You Can know, you know, imagine I, the election, the, having an election result done that way yeah. versus now? Re- Real time. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, today we have so many communication tools. I mean, we, we text and we email and, of course, we've got uh, telephones and we expect information instantly. Instant, yeah. uh, and in those days, uh, people had to wait for the morning newspaper right. uh, to get uh, news. But there were lots of newspapers in, in those days. Uh, but 1920 was a tough year for Aunt Marie's mom uh, because they had just come off a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, How crazy is that? Isn't that crazy? The Spanish flu, they called it, even though it didn't start in Spain and had nothing to do with Spain. Uh, People really didn't know where it came from. Probably originated in China. They don't know for sure. Uh, But it got to the battlefront uh, in France. Uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of soldiers were sickened and tens of thousands died. Probably 50 to 100 million people died worldwide. Here in Allegheny County, 4,500 people Hmm. died. And in the United States, 650,000 deaths. Now, everybody in town uh, was probably uh, still had their masks uh, hanging on their uh, bedroom or bureau at home. They were just taking them off in 1920, and people were going back to theaters and starting to resume uh, the semblance of a normal life. Wow. They they were told uh, at first, hey, masks really don't make a difference. Uh, you don't need to wear them. Some doctors poo-pooed them as uh, as maybe even dangerous. Other doctors said, oh, you better wear those masks and uh, hang linen, linen curtains around your beds or, or newspapers if you don't have uh, linen just to stop the spread of droplets. Yes. Uh, but they didn't even know what viruses were. Right. They yeah. didn't know that, uh, you know, uh, 10,000 of them could, uh, uh, viruses, uh, particles could fit on the head of a pin, uh, and they didn't know how uh, those were were spread, but uh, just empirically, they knew that if people were too close together, uh, that they were going to get sick. Yeah. So they started social distancing. They started wearing masks. They closed churches. They closed bars and saloons. The state health department came out with orders. Now, 
Mayor Babcock here in Pittsburgh uh, said, oh, come on, can't we get back to work? Uh, and can't we uh, reopen the churches and the bars and the saloons and the schools? You know, we got to get these kids out of the house. They're driving us nuts. <laughs> and so uh, uh, by by Halloween of 1920, um, uh, they people were back to trick-or-treating as, uh, as usual. How but they, they had had a very bad experience um, uh, two years before when people went back too soon. And the trick-or-treating season of 1918 brought a resurgence of the uh, pandemic. Oh, I didn't and, know any of this. And that's what made Pittsburgh the sickest city in America uh, with the highest uh, death rate per capita. My jaw is on the ground. I'm Same. Si- I'm sitting. This is Google has nothing on Andy Masick. <laughs> That's all I'm saying right now. That is a hashtag. That is amazing. That so is amazing. So here we are reliving history. Literally a hundred years later. History. I did not realize wow. that. But but there were big political events going on yeah. uh, in in that year in 1920. That's when. Prohibition Mm -hmm. was enacted, the 18th Amendment to the Constitution that prohibited the uh, sale or transport or manufacture of alcoholic beverages. Holy mackerel, this was a big deal because America was just drunk uh, in 1920. (laughs) I mean, I mean, kind of like now. Yeah, (laughs) we consumed. They consume 30 times more alcohol then wow. than we do uh, today. Wow. I mean, oh, it was, it was epidemic, uh, yeah. the, the drunkenness and alcoholism uh, in America. And so you can see why the women of America and uh, a few of the you know, uh, more educated men uh, finally realized, hey, we've got to get control of this liquor uh, thing. And so they did. They passed this amendment, and the Volstead Act followed that gave the federal government power to enforce it. And, you know, Elliot Ness and Mm -hmm. gangsters and all that stuff was happening as the 20s began to roar. Uh, And a lot of that roaring was the result of the conflict caused by the prohibition of alcohol. But the same year that that happens, 1920, women get the right to vote. So the women are coming on strong. Hear them roar. Talk about roaring uh, 20s. Women are starting to uh, get access to jobs. Uh, The number of women in the workforce increased 25% in the 1920s. Mayor Babcock appointed the first woman to a mayoral cabinet uh, Mm -hmm. here in uh, Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, women were starting to come on and and influence uh, the politics of the day. Uh, there's like nothing to even ask. I know. Like I had three questions. I'm like, all right, here you got that. Got to, to that. Out at your house. Every what, day. <laughs> what were some of the or the first female-dominated jobs? Like, what were they going into at that time? Well, um, it was discovered fairly early on that uh, women are more. Uh, diligent uh, workers than men. Uh, I mean, men get distracted and goof off, and women really stick to things, especially repetitive uh, things. Sure. So in the textile industry, uh, you know, where there were, um, you know, sewing uh, and uh, 
manufacturing small things uh, again and again and again. Uh, the women were more efficient and productive than the men. More the, detail, yeah, right? Detail-oriented. The okay. Army found this out pretty early sure. at Allegheny Arsenal uh, when they were making cartridges. You know, each each bullet and gunpowder had to go into a paper tube, and then it was tied off with thread, uh, and this was for muzzle-loading muskets. Uh, during the Civil War, and they fired all the men and boys, and they hired just women because they found out they were just so much more productive and reliable than the guys were. Okay. The guys were bringing their uh, cigars and smoking stuff to work oh, with them. And, you know. Yeah, that seemed to be a job answered. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, so uh, it was known that women were uh, good workers in factory conditions, yeah. but they were also paid less than men right. because it was believed socially that women should be at home raising kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the culture bearers of the community. They were the educators. They were the, the ones who watched out for the health of the uh, community. So it was believed that the men had the duty and responsibility to be the breadwinners and and to get the job. So uh, when they hired women, when H.J. Hines, for example, hired women to uh, pack uh, pickles in uh, jars or bottles, um, uh, they paid them uh, a lot less than they did the the men workers uh, because they figured, you know, the family doesn't need that salary, Uh, that's supplemental. Uh, Well, it wasn't really true because those families needed every penny they could get. And remember, um, uh, Aunt Marie uh, would go to uh, five and ten stores, uh, the five and dime they uh, called it, uh, and they might go to uh, Mansman's and, uh, you know, Kaufman's if they were going to buy some fancy clothes. But for a nickel, you could buy a lot. You could buy mm-hmm. a loaf of bread. You could get uh, a dozen eggs for 40 cents. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, every dollar that came into the family coffers was important for the survival of that family. He Andy. literally answered, I was going to ask the, how much was a typical grocery bill. I was going to yeah. ask what the social scene was, what was the clothing, and it was all answered without. Weren't you going to ask me uh, how much a car cost? Well, I was actually no trying question. to think about yeah. what the transportation yeah, how was would like. Aunt yeah. Marie, how would have Aunt Marie's Gotten parents around. taken her home? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. Because Boom, Rach! It yes. probably wasn't in a car. Because most people didn't have cars. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, of course, Henry Ford was uh, uh, cranking out his Model Ts. You know, you could have it in any color you wanted as long as it was black. (laughs) And and then, you know, the Model As started coming out. Wow, $500 it uh, costs for a, a Model A. Uh, but most people didn't have uh, a car. Uh, horses were still seen on the streets. Remember, uh, she said Pittsburgh. that when we right. were here. Sure. She remembered still no having, car seat. And and yeah. you talk about smells. I mean, uh, there was uh, road <laughs> apples on yeah. the cobbled streets <laughs> sure. of Pittsburgh, and urine flowed in the uh, the gutters, mostly horse yes. urine, but right. it could be other uh, urine as well. And and so uh, it was uh, a mixture of horses. Cars and, of course, streetcars. Yes. yes. So people were learning to take the trolley, uh, those trolleys that connected to electric overhead mm-hmm. wires. And 
the streets were thronged with people. Mm -hmm. They needed traffic cops to keep people from getting squashed by the cars and drays and trolleys that were uh, filling the roads as well. So remember, there are twice as many people here as yeah. there are today, and they're all crammed together in this you know, golden triangle downtown on a busy right. day. And so the Pittsburgh of Aunt Marie's youth was far different than it is today. Was having a vehicle some kind of status? Yeah, it, it certainly was because, uh, you know, you had to have a place to park it. Uh, you had to be able to afford the gasoline. Uh, you know, it cost five cents a gallon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now there weren't any gas stations. Uh, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. In uh, 1911, the first gas station in the world was invented. On It was on Bomb Boulevard. In Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah. It, golf, a golf station. And someone got the idea, you know, you have to go to the um, dry goods store to, to buy a five-gallon jug of gasoline for your car, and then you have to bring it home, and you have to put it in the car. And what if you could actually drive in to a station, and they had a pump, and they put the gas right into your car? That's Wouldn't amazing. that be something? Wow. Well, it was invented here in Pittsburgh. Of course know. it was. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Andy, this is, uh, we tell, I don't know. I, Every time we talk to you, it's a yeah, whole I other just, experience. I don't ever want to leave, but it's I a know celebration. you have to kick us yeah. out. So, yeah. We literally are at 20 minutes, and we could go on for yeah. like 100 more. Uh-oh. Uh, I love when Andy gets up to get us more info. <laughs> <laughs> and before you leave, I sure. just wanted to make sure... I jotted some notes down. Uh, you know, some people ask about uh, sports because oh. this is a sports town. Yeah, That's right. a good one, Andy. And we didn't think of that. You should know that there wasn't football in Pittsburgh in 1920. So I they didn't wrap her in a terrible towel and take her home. Now, you know what? Uh, they probably were playing football because professional put football was invented in Pittsburgh in 1892. Yes. That's, you know, the first professional football uh, game was played uh, just in on the north side in the city of Allegheny in 1892 when Pudge Heffelfinger, uh, an All-American guard from Yale, helped the Allegheny Athletic uh, Association beat the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. Uh, but... Pittsburgh didn't have their own regular professional team in 1920 when the NFL or the the precursor of the NFL sure. was founded in Canton, Ohio. Uh, it wasn't until 1933 that Aunt Marie could go to a football game yeah. here in Pittsburgh and watch the forerunner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, Pirates. Yes. Yeah. play. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. You know, I didn't even think of sports. Yeah. How about that? And here we Andy's are at like, the you guys didn't Heinz History well Center. Yeah. So let me give you some help. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy. before we let you go, Andy, uh, we are, uh, so anybody listening to the podcast, we'll see a few pictures online. We are in your office, and we heard you describing to Colin, who helps us with the podcast, what's in your office. So I'm look. you have probably the coolest office because of all the unique things. You have books lined up in a, a, an American flag, red and white books alternating to make
make a, an American flag design, but you talked about the guns and the portraits that are in here. Just give everybody just a well, little glimpse of what's in here. We're, we're in the corner uh, office on the seventh floor of the old Chautauqua Lake Ice Company warehouse, which now is the headquarters of the Heinz History Center. And the, there are brick walls with wooden beams that are exposed. And my mother and her sister are looking over your shoulder, uh, those red-headed girls. Okay. That's my mother on the right and her sister, uh, Julia. My, sister, uh, my mother's name uh, was Mary, and she's about 14 years old. She ended up going to Carnegie Tech. Mm-hmm. We now know it as Carnegie Mellon sure. University. And uh, there's her pennant over there, and I have a picture of her on the wall because she was a dramat a drama student, uh, a trained actress at Carnegie Tech, which was the first school in America, four-year school that had a, a, a theater program. And she's the one who taught me how to sing, Dear old Tech Carnegie Tech, you're the best of all the schools I ever knew. Dear old Tech Carnegie Tech, where every single fellow is true blue and the girls too. When I go a-strolling out to Shenley, you're the only one that takes my eye. And when we're far away from Pittsburgh, I'll love you Tech Tech till I die. That's our music. There you go. I love it. Yeah, she taught me that. And my father uh, is on the wall with my family portraits. My family moved here in about 1783. There's uh, my grandfather's uh, World War I uniform with his gas mask and helmet on top. That's Lloyd Gibson's uniform. And over in the corner, you see some Kentucky rifles on the wall. The one on the right was my great-grandfather's. William Wallace Andrews was his name. And that's why I'm Andrew, uh, for the Andrews family, uh, my Scots-Irish ancestors. And in the corner, socially distanced, is Brady, our contact area. He couldn't be a better guy to represent you guys. This was so perfect. We really appreciate you guys. Yeah, I mean, what a celebration of life. For someone to even be 100 years old, but to be able to go through a history lesson of what Pittsburgh was like, you know, to to really pay her homage. Thank yeah. you so much to the Heinz History Center. If you get a chance, please come visit socially distanced so that you could see the the portraits of a hundred faces that you're talking about, um, mimicking the Smithsonian. Correct? And happy birthday, <laughs> Aunt Marie! I have I a song it. for her. Do it. <gasps> um, uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. We love you. Happy birthday and may all your dreams come true. When you blow out the candles, one light stays aglow. It's the love light in your eye, wherever you go. Happy birthday, Aunt Marie. Uh, Why does a golfer wear two pairs of pants? Why? Because he might get a hole in one. We thought it would be so important to talk about other things in the Pittsburgh area who are 100 or have some kind of longevity in the city. And, I mean, it only makes sense that, like, we're affiliated with Entercom, and KDK is celebrating 100 years this year. So we reached out because we got connections and peeps. Couple people. Couple. And we actually, so we even have a better peep than we thought because Amy Mock was someone who we worked with to get the podcast at the intercom system. Yeah, she's and a reason since we last saw her, she has like some brand new super duper title. Yeah. So Amy Mock, welcome to the podcast. And what is your new title now? Thanks for having me. I am the regional promotions manager for intercom Pittsburgh, Charlotte, Greenville, and Greensboro. Boom, guys. That sounds really 
Good. Yeah, and she flew in just for this. I want that title. <laughs> I'm a jet setter now. Right. You need me to have something like that. Can I be the regional jagoff for right. Greenfield, Bloomfield? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it can't be out of state because you hate to fly. <laughs> right. So Take a bus. So, so, Amy, what does your new job entail? We definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, we have four radio stations, uh, KDKA, 93.7 The Fan, Y108, and Star. Um, basically, this adds uh, 16 more radio stations to my list of uh, promotional responsibilities that I handle. And it's really cool because there's some great great stations in those markets and it's really cool to get to know the people and the markets and the at honestly really neat different type of promotional stuff those stations are doing some of them i'll be able to bring to pittsburgh oh, um cool. so yeah still have i still have kdk i started at kdk and i still have kdk and i think that's where we have to start because our relationship started a few years ago when we were working in tandem with intercom and we found out that you were the producer for fred hunsberger right that's I, where it, yep that's where it started. How it, long were you there? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So um, I, right, I graduated from college in 1999 and moved to New York City and worked up there for a couple years at Good Morning America and uh, realized without realizing that I was homesick for Pittsburgh. And I think a lot of people that move away from Pittsburgh um, end up coming back. But I really was looking for a way back into uh, the area. And there were a couple openings at that time. One was an overnight producer at KDK Radio. And I, I was I was willing and interested to look at all opportunities. But after talking um, with, at the time, PJ Kamanchik was the, the hiring manager. After talking with him, um, he said, we have an opening for a full-time producer um, for Fred Hansberger. And uh, I interviewed for the spot, and they hired me. And um, the rest was history. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're one of the original boomerangers. Right? Before it was a trendy thing to do, you were one of them. So the station is 100 years old. KDKA AM is 100 years old. It doesn't look a day over 50 because, right? Because it tweets, it posts on digital media. It's made that adaptation just like all the other newbies have, the young kids have. So KDKA Radio, if you think about it, was the original social media. Mm -hmm. We were the way to get the news. I mean, prior to that, the newspapers, you had to wait till the next morning to hear um, what was going on. But in uh, on November 2nd, 1920, um, they partnered with the Pittsburgh um, Pittsburgh Press, I think, at the time. And um, instead of waiting until the next day to hear who won the presidential election at the time, KDK Radio was able to report it to about 1,000 people listening. How cool is that? So a thousand it, people were in the know before anybody else. What's the distinction? First commercial radio station, first radio station, because there were there were radio broadcasts sort of out before that, right? But this is the first one where something really serious happened, like the election. Yeah. So uh, yes, there were other radio stations. There were other connections via radio prior to that. And in fact, um, you know, there's arguments as to who is first. Um, we are credited as being the world's first commercial radio station, mm-hmm. um, and you know the commercial part of that being the ability to, you know, bring in the advertisements and um, be able to to function that way. Actually, here's a here's a fun fact. What did what did we sell? What was the first thing that KDKA Radio sold in order to 
you know, be able to advertise. Well, let's tease that, right? We make her, we make everybody listen to the interview. We'll do. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. that's going to be the wow, end of the interview. How about you. that? Yeah. yeah. And then they, they broadcasted sports by not even watching the sports at one point, right? They, they watched like ticker tapes or something of, of what updates that were coming through from the pi- from the baseball games and it would broadcast them. By so basically, they were winging it. The yeah, totally. Like they are right now, right. actually. Yeah. Right. They, <laughs> yeah. they were they were doing play by play without actually seeing yeah. the play by play. Yeah. yeah. And, but we did. We did, yeah. We were the first play by play. I think in 1921, okay. um, we were the first uh, radio station to do play by play. How about that? Yeah. See. Look See? at that. Now, I know that you guys were able, unfortunately, pandemic rate changed everything and everyone's plans. But I know earlier in the year we did the um, Kidapalooza and you had kids coming up and talking about what they knew radio to be like in celebration of the 100 years. Is there anything else that you're still paying homage to the 100 years right now that people can be paying attention to you know, to say congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. And there will be things as we get closer to November 2nd. Um, along with a number of groups that have the media or press, uh, you know, groups, events happening that sure. are still doing virtual dinners and celebrating KDK Radio, which is nice because it's work that, you know, I don't have to coordinate. They're celebrating us on their own. Um, we're doing a weekly program at 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights with Robert Mangino, and it's our history. It, it broadcasts moments of history, and it's a oh, really cool. cool way to kind of get a sense of some of the things that happened over the years. Um, you know, just things like that. And as we get closer to the November 2nd date and, you know, whatever celebrations we'll eventually be able to have, um, to, to celebrate KDKs will, you know, it's a hundred years. Yeah, how, how exactly. And you were there for how many years of it? Almost 20. One. Yeah. 19, wow. 20, it'll be 19, 19 and a half ish around the, around wow. the November 2nd date. But yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm not a hundred, but. <laughs> and it was out of somebody's garage or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Frank right? Conrad was the uh, engineer. Um, and he was uh, an employee of Westinghouse at the time. And he was the engineer that, you know, experimented to put this radio station together. And on, honestly, on the first broadcast night, he wasn't even at the location where the broadcast took place. Um, in fact, he was doing a backup run at his own house where there was a broadcast in another location and he was, he was handling a backup of that. Um, but it's my understanding through a play that is coming through the area, um, called on air that his wife had a lot to do with the reasoning of broadcasting that that presidential election returns. She was the marketing mind okay. behind. He was the he was the engineer. He was the technical guy. He was going to figure out how it happened. But she was the marketing mind that you know, especially because it was um, 1920, women's right to vote at that 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 exactly. year. So she got involved and suggested that that was a you know a thing to put out there on the airwaves. That's awesome. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. She was the marketing mind. Uh, yeah. How do you feel? I mean. Again, obviously stating that you've not been around for even half the time, but what are the biggest changes that you've noticed that if you were telling someone of the older generation, you know, hey, I know it was like this, but the one of the biggest assets now or the best things or the best changes that happened from then until now, what have you noticed, especially from being a producer with Fred? Yeah, it's, you know, if I look through the years and I've had a pretty... Um, 
I've dug into the history of a lot of the station because I give the scout tours and the, you know, boy and girl scout tours that came through and uh, talk with the different classes over the years. So I've dug into the history of the radio station to see, you know, how things were done and how they are done. And, you know, we used to have a partnership with the Westinghouse Symphony and the, you know, broadcasts where they used to be and how many buildings they used to be in. And it's consolidated over the years because it's able to be consolidated. It's able to happen. I mean, you guys have a podcast. You know how it can function with, sure. you know, the people that it functions with, and it sounds grandiose, but there's, um, you know, there's there's a number of people that have multiple abilities to do different things. You're not just handling one thing. You're able to do this, 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 and this in order, and it and it sounds as grandiose as as it really is. You know, for example. We're not even at the radio station much of the time right now. Things have, you know, you can function remotely mm-hmm. and still get the information that you need to get and get that information out to the public. It's like John said even when you started about how you, they didn't even know they were doing it. It was a play-by-play and nobody knew. It's sort of like now. Nobody knew what was going to happen the day that everybody was sent home, you know, from the pandemic. And everybody sort of figured it out and reinvented. In the meantime, you still take seriously the part of re- re- uh, reporting what's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. from a KDKA standpoint, you know, it is, you know, there's, it's entertainment for the talk shows and things, but the responsibility has never, uh, lessened, lessened as far as delivering news on a regular basis. So, right. And, and they, you know, that's something the radio station takes very seriously is making sure that, you know, we have a fully functioning newsroom, the hosts that are on the air, you know, there's, there's a, there's talk show hosts and then there's, you know, news yes. informational hosts. And, exactly. you know, there's definitely a difference in regards to, um, you know, what they do and whether they're sharing their opinion and when we're hosting a newscast. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Now, over your years, as we said, you've been there about a fifth of the time of the hundred years. What's You're really your, good at math. What's your most? That's because Sister <laughs> Anasita punished yeah. me. I, I might be able to do that. That's because Sister Anasita punished me with long division, long hand division in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what's your most memorable moment? Do you think in your career there? I mean, you were with one of the icons of the industry, and then he, you know, he, him getting ill and passing away, but. There has to be something that really is iconic to you. And and honestly, I've had such an amazing opportunity to do what I'm doing at the same place for as long as I have. And I'm so glad to still have KDK Radio under my belt. Um, The year after 9-11, which is a month after I moved from New York to Pittsburgh, I was at KDK Radio. A year after, Fred and I flew, um, drove back to New York City uh, and did a broadcast up there. And we went into the different radios. We went into uh, the different radios. Radio stations that the company was affiliated with at the time. Um, we broadcast from the Salvation Army. Um, you know, from a, from a serious note, we were you know covering what happened a year later. Which honestly, when it happened. I did not know how to handle it being a very new employee at KDKA Radio. It wasn't so much of not knowing how to handle news. And I'd only been in the career world at for about two years at that point anyway. I just, I didn't know how to react to something like that. So Mm -hmm. a year later, being able to go back up to New York with Fred, um, and then, you know, we went to Disney a couple times, and they treat you like gold down there if you're going with media. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those were definitely memorable times to be able to, you know, walk through Disney. And it's a parade that you're the you're the participants yeah. in, and, and, and all the Disney employees are standing there. And, you know, the gifts that – honestly, it's just such a – 
cool thing to be part of something like that. So that's definitely a memorable And I think to your point, I worked at the Triv whenever 9-11 happened. And I think being a part of news media during that time was a blessing that that we didn't realize at the time. Because the fact that I can say I know where I was in a newsroom watching CNN live wire that information in was crazy. It was like nothing I ever experienced. So didn't mean to interject myself, but... Anyway, ask the question. Go ahead. All right. So before we go to the question of the day, do you want to do the question of the day first? Yeah, but we we still have to come back to what was the first commercial that was on KDK. Is that the question, right? Kind of. It was the first. Yeah. So what's the question of the day? Question of the day because we're celebrating a hundo, and we don't know anyone except Aunt Marie who's a hundred, so we can't really get any other good questions. Like, what's it like to be a hundred? We can't ask that to everybody. So instead. What would you want a hundred of? A hundred of anything. <laughs> anything. A hundred. Children. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Toot's good. Toot's good. Yeah. No. A hundred, a hundred vacation trips. Oh, That's a good one. nice. That's, That's a good, good one. one. Yeah. yeah. All right. So like before we let you go, should be, we, <laughs> should, we should put up your social media. They can find you mainly on Instagram running, right? Uh, oh, myself. Oh, yes. yes. My personal page. Yeah. Yes. I'm on Instagram running. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, on Facebook. Um, I think under Amy Montaigne Mock. I, I don't know. I'm, I I'm around. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm around. All right. So our question that you uh, left everybody hanging on was, what was the first advertisement, right? The first commercially marketed something, right? Yeah. So I have a two part answer for that. Okay. Okay. So, and, and, um, the first thing that the radio station sold in order to, um, to, you know, advertise was radios. They partnered to sell radios so that people could hear the radio station. Okay. Makes sense. The second part of that is they partnered with a record store, I believe in the South side. And the partnership was that the, the owner of the record store would, lend them records out to play and then in turn they advertise that record store on the radio station how about yeah. that that is so cool that's a great that a good that's ending. a great Look trivia question yeah <laughs> it'd be better if i knew the actual names of the places that, yeah, <laughs> there were hey, too many maybe to mention yeah. and happy birthday to your aunt i know isn't it crazy that's it was awesome. an amazing experience just to be around her ready go <laughs> Ready, set, go? Yep. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Mary was going to church on Sunday. So when she saw Father, she said, Oh, Father, after Mass, can I talk to you? And Father said, Oh, sure, Mary. So then after Mass, Father was outside standing there, and then she went over. And he said, What can I do for you, Mary? And he said, Oh, Father, I have bad news. Well, what seems to be the trouble? Oh, my husband died last night. Oh, Father says, I'm so sorry to hear that. Did he have any last requests? Oh, yeah. He was screaming, oh, Mary, put down the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Marie, who is finally 100. Like, I wish we could cue the confetti and have the confetti go everywhere. More so, I wish that we were with uh, Willard Scott and um, Al Al Roker, but... Everyone who pays attention to the Jagoff podcast knows Cousin Lisa. So she really is my cousin. And <laughs> this is her brother, Mark, who's going to help us out today while we interview the one and only Marie. Right? So who is Marie to you? Marie is my grandmother. 
I mean, she kind of is like Prince at but this she, point, but right? She, I like, mean, she just goes like, by Graham. Right. She, everybody knows her by Graham. It's all one my, word. All my friends, everybody knows her as Graham. That's it. But even people on Facebook were like, happy birthday, Graham, because that's, she's just sort of become everybody's Graham. She, she's everybody's Graham. Right? Like Colleen, who's with her now, is now my cousin. There you go. There you go. So, and, and great point. We have to bring up, we are at Marie's window, which is so cool that we actually get to see her from the window because of this crazy, you know, COVID stuff going on. But Colleen is actually John's cousin. So we had all the hookups that made it perfect that we could socially distance. We had the her hat club here. She got to see a video from everybody around the, the United States on, of her family. Yep, all her it's family. It's been a great morning. So... Gr- Graham, what? Tell us the tell us the joke you just told us uh, earlier. What my uncle told you? Oh. What's the joke? Oh, okay. You know, I can't think what the this priest. thing on. The priest, Graham. The priest. The priest. Yeah. What do you call a priest that walks in his sleep? What, Graham? You call him a Roman Catholic. <laughs> That's cute. Oh God! All right. What is Mark? What's your favorite? Marie's story. My favorite Marie story. Yeah. I uh, think when I was little, uh-huh. we went, went down to the basement to play basketball. Uh-huh. And now Graham's basement, the height of the ceiling is maybe, <laughs> what, maybe uh-huh. six feet in less. Right. And we're playing basketball, and she throws a ball off the only light in the basement, <laughs> oh trying my. to shoot it over my head. And what happened? Oh, there was glass everywhere. Okay, but no one got hurt. Nobody got Nobody hurt, but got she yelled hurt. at my grandfather for letting us go down the basement and play basketball. <laughs> we, we couldn't see where we were going. It was, it was dark. <laughs> Graham, what what is it? What is one of your new jokes that that no one knows and no one heard yet? Oh gosh, it's so funny. Yesterday, one of the servers of the dining room was telling me all kind of jokes, and he told me so many. So I was going to say to him, you know what, how about repeating them so I can tell my kids? But he wasn't at lunchtime, so it must be his day off. So I don't know no new ones. Well, give us one that no one has heard. You have so many uh, in your repertoire. I know. You need to start. You need to. You need to start uh, throwing them out to us. Give us a joke. Well, well you know what? I, there's so many in my head. And I, you know, I can't remember offhand unless you say something that reminds me of something. You know? um, what about the one um, when they're on the on the boat, the pirate ship? Oh, that one. Oh, that that one's really. You heard that one a thousand. Yeah, times. but maybe someone else didn't hear that. I'm not the only one hearing this. Okay. Well, anyway, this one guy had a, a nice ship. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. The sky was blue. The water was blue. So he took the ship out. And they were going along very nicely. And there he noticed over the horizon a pirate ship. Oh, he got all excited and screaming, Mate, mate, quick, run to my room and get my white handkerchief. So the mate ran and got his handkerchief. He says, Captain, what do you need this for? He says, Oh, mate, mate, no, don't ever, ever let the enemy see you sweat. Okay, sir. So they went about their business. They're sailing along, sailing along. And then would you see right around the corner another pirate ship? Oh, my God, he's screaming. Mate, mate, quick, run down to my cabin and get my red shirt. Yes, sir. He ran down and got his shirt. He says, Captain, what do you need a red shirt for? He says, mate, listen, don't ever let the enemy see you bleed. Okay, sir. And they went about their business. And they're going along very nicely. And round the corner, would you believe, another 
hardship. He's screaming, mate, mate, quick, quick, run to my room and get my brown pants. (laughs) (laughs) She remembers it, lady. It's so quick, so quick. So talk a little bit. You guys need to tell, people need to know about her milestones, right? Before she was here, what was she doing? How active was she? Um, she was very active. She'd be out uh, dancing and going to bridge. How and... old was she up until she was no longer dancing? Uh, you were 97, right, Graham? What? Honey? To when you stopped dancing. Five. No, 95. Yeah, Sorry. Exaggerating I was exaggerating a little, but I think it was probably 96 because, you know, her... But well, she, well, I really didn't quit like dancing, but I, you know, quit teaching and stuff like that. Oh. I still was, you know, fooling around yeah, with right, my right, seat yeah. and stuff she, like Where that. did she play bridge? I don't yeah, remember. She, she played, where did you play bridge at? At the Kaufman? Oh, the, well, Kaufman's the... had a um, program called the Oasis, and they were giving out lessons. Not give, they, you had to pay for them. What am I talking about? With, uh, lessons for bridge. So Aunt Mary says, you know what? Let's, let's, let's go take the lessons. And I said, oh, I don't know. That's that's silly. She said, oh. I said, okay, okay, let's go. So we went, her and I went over, and we met the nicest ladies, these two ladies, and we were partners, the four of us. Oh, my God, we had a ball. Don't ask me anything about bridge, but we sure had a good time. Oh right, because ma- math isn't your forte <laughs> either, is it? Well, who's on math? Math. You can't count in cards and stuff. You're not good at that. Oh, I'm, I'm not good at anything. I just try everything. Oh, but, you're so full yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what they say? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was talking it's about illegal. my grandpa. Right. My, gran- my grandpa. That was my grandpa. He was the illegal one. Sorry. I love it. I love it. What about, what is her favorite food? Can you guys talk about that? Because people need to understand. There, there is about her eating. There, there, right. there is no there favorite isn't food. There isn't any favorite food. I like I them know, all. Yeah. <laughs> The casino, listen, the casino buffet, if you have two and a half hours of your life, you're not playing to go gambling, you're eating. And when I tell you she eats, she eats. Yep. She doesn't oh. take breaths or nothing. Oh, Listen, here's a funny story. We went to Vegas with my dad's uh, work, <laughs> and it was me, my mom, my grandma, and one of his coworkers, and we went to Vegas, and we would meet my dad afterwards and his coworker at the buffets. And he said to my dad, Ken. Where is your mother-in-law putting all this food in her purse? And my dad looked at him and said, no, Dan, she's eating it. He's like, holy hell, where's that coming from? And when I tell you she eats, she eats. But even when she got here, didn't she tell them, like, I want more than one meal? Correct. Right? Yeah, the other day oh, they, they gave were, her. They I, I told them water. I wasn't on a diet. Right. She, <laughs> she was getting a half a croissant. She said, you think you could give me a whole croissant this time? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, guys, wish her well because this has been such a cool thing to be able to celebrate, like leading up to her. Yeah. And the fact that she's 100 is amazing. So, Lise, do you have something that you want her to see? or mm, no, no, we put, we, put the, we put the video together so that all her family across the uh, United States, can she can yeah. see them and wish her a happy birthday since oh. we can't all be together. So. Oh, yes. That was so no nice. No one's crying. No one's <laughs> that, was, that was so touching. It really, it really was touching. I'll never forget it. Well, I don't right. have to, yeah. All right. Favorite song, Aunt Marie. What was your favorite song oh, to sing? Oh, gee uh-huh. wish. I, I, in fact, uh, one of the girls, her name is Jamie. Every now, she plays the piano in the hall. Oh, excuse oh, me. Yeah. Plays the piano in the hallway, and she always asks for uh, our favorite song, and she she'll play it. And I can. I love all Frank Sinatra songs, you know, because he was my favorite my yes. day. And uh, the, 
when we had to go dancing, when the dance was over, they would always play, this is the last dance. Oh, and every time I hear that, my heart beats extra beat. <laughs> Gra- Graham, do one thing for me. When uh, you met my grandpap in, on the Whippet, what did he say to you? <laughs> Come on. He, he do, says, do the whole, you have to do the whole entire I, thing. I, hey, I can do it now with the long hair. All huh? right, go yeah. ahead. Get it, Graham. <laughs> go ahead. Come on. He, he, yeah. he says, he tapped me on the shoulder. He says, hey, you with the long hair. And I turned around. I said, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> he says, yeah. <laughs> We hope you have the most wonderful 100th birthday. We all love you, well, and we hope you, you enjoy the and rest of your day. I love you all day. back, and thank you for all your trouble. And oh, God, oh, this and is no trouble. No Graham. trouble. Oh, Are you kidding? No People want to see you. You're oh, the best. Oh, hey, we're going to have to have a party. We will. As soon as I'm out of this crazy place. <laughs> okay. I don't think Colleen thinks it's crazy, and either do Oh, we. I'm Colleen sorry, Colleen. <laughs> no, I just think 2020 is a crazy time. Yeah, 2020 is a crazy time. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm dying for a steak dinner. All right, we'll, 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 we'll make you a steak and bring it over. I'll have a nice steak dinner. <laughs> oh, my God. Rach. Was this fun? Did you have a good time? I don't know if it's just a good time because it's my family, and seriously, the matriarch of our family is now 100 years old. So did you enjoy it as much as I did? It was totally cool, and uh, I thought it was cool that, again, I didn't mind. I was over there, you know, pressing buttons and stuff like that so we could get Aunt Marie on, thanks to Colleen over there. Oh, my gosh, yes. And we literally, if you're listening to this podcast, we literally slid a microphone in through the screen, wiped it down, wiped the cord as it went into the screen to get that to Aunt Marie. And she had such a good time with her tiara on and enjoying family. Her Red Hat Club ladies showed up. Does it get any better than that? All right. Yeah. So it was totally cool to be a part of that. So, um, And listen, we asked, well, we started asking the question of the day, but Andy Masick, he gets us lost in his wording because you are, oh, mesmerized. You are having more than just a trip down memory lane. It's more than a history lesson. You feel like you are actually in that era that he's describing. So we didn't quite get the chance to ask him what he would want a hundred of, right? Yeah. But we know Aunt Marie would go with either chocolate or steak dinners. Right. And we know Amy's answer, but what would you want a hundred of? Uh, I guess it depends on the day, but right now, a hundred of... I take a hundred pizzas right now. I'm starving as we're recording this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could do okay. that. A hundred per many sandwiches would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going with either. No. What yeah. are you going with? Um, if we're going with the state of mind, maybe hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm tired. Yeah. So I that. wouldn't mind a hundred days of vacation though. Like just hanging out. Real vacation. Having a good time. I'll yeah, take it. So. I'll take it. Anyways. As so always. thanks for listening to the Jagoff podcast. Thank you so much to Brady at the Heinz History Center for lining us up again with an awesome interview with Andy Masick. Thanks to Amy Mock for all that she does for us. And Aunt Marie can't thank you enough for always giving us all these jokes that we heard throughout the podcast. And thanks to Roraconda. They take pride in community involvement every day. From looking forward to walk-in vehicle questions to customizing end-of-the-month deals, they always have the customer in mind. Be sure to catch their community event perfectly titled the Pick Up and Go Comedy Show that places local comedians in the back of a Honda Ridgeline and in a parking lot. 
Check Rorick Automotive social media for details on when you can socially distance and have a truckload of fun. As always, visit Rorick.com for all of your vehicle needs. Thank <laughs> you. 